for 30 plus years. I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 115, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Today, we're going to have a lot of fun. I don't have a guest that I'm going to be interviewing. I'm going to be answering your questions. As a matter of fact, I'd like to do more of these podcasts in the future because so many of you have such wonderful questions that I would really like to address. I won't be sharing any points to ponder because the entire episode will be me answering your questions. Friends, two of the most frequent questions I get are these. How old should my child be before she gets a cell phone? And how do I decrease the amount of time my child spends on a screen? Well, until now, I really had no good answers. The truth is, kids aren't mature enough to handle harmful effects of the internet until they're well into their teens. And the best way to decrease screen time is to decrease internet time, because that's where kids spend most of their time. Girls on social media and boys playing video games. The trouble is, girls must avoid sexual predators and boys can get caught up in pornography if they're on the internet too long. But now, we have the brand new Gab phone. It's a smartphone that allows kids to text, call, take photos, use GPS, and a whole lot of other cool things. But, and this is the most important thing, Gab doesn't allow kids to connect to the internet. And that's where they get into trouble, and that's where they spend most of their time. I can't tell you how important this feature is for younger kids. Gab is the perfect bridge phone that you could give your child when they're young see how they use a phone, to see how much time they're spending on their screen, and to give them time to learn how to use that phone before you give them 24-7 access to the internet. In my opinion, as a pediatrician and a mom and a grandmother, Gab is one of the most important products created in the past 20 years. It will keep your kids and my grandkids safe. Finally, we can have some peace about cell phones and our kids. And one more thing, for every phone sold, Gab will donate $10 to defend the innocent. You have to check out the Gab phone. Go to Gab Wireless forward slash Meg and you can get $10 off your phone. Gab Wireless forward slash Meg and get a great discount. Please, for the sake of your kids and their health, check out the Gab phone. This question is from Susan. She says, I have a question about toddler sleep. My 18-month-old wakes up at 4.30 or 5 regularly. She starts talking or singing in her crib and will get quiet and then start back up again. She takes a great afternoon nap of about two and a half hours and we put her to bed at 7.30. She shares a room with her five and a half year old sister who then wakes up extra early. Both were sleeping until 6.30 a.m. for a good long while, but the baby is now waking up extra early. 
We don't go into the room or do anything unless the older one wakes up too early. Then we try to get them both back to sleep. How can I change this to get her to sleep until at least 6 a.m.? My husband and I wake up early to have some quiet time to ourselves, and well, this isn't helping. Thank you so much. (laughs) Oh, Susan, I feel your pain. You know, it's exhausting when kids wake up in the night and they just won't sleep. And 18-month-olds, in general, don't sleep really well regularly. Here's what they do. They don't, quote-unquote, sleep through the night. They wake up, they look around, they soothe themselves, and they go back to sleep. And they do this several times a night. And they'll do that until they're much older when they fall asleep and stay asleep until 6.30 in the morning or whenever it is time to get up. So what you need to do is somehow retrain your 18-month-old not to wake you up and not to wake her sister up. So the best thing I would encourage you to do is to move your five-year-old daughter out of the room. You can tell her that she's moving out of the room for perhaps two months, maybe one month, or maybe six months, depending upon how long it takes her younger sister to get back into the routine of not waking her up at four or five in the morning. So I would have your five-year-old sleep on a mattress in the corner of your bedroom. Um, Don't worry about her getting into the habit because at five, most kids don't unless there's something wrong, they're afraid. And help your eight and just don't go into your 18-month-old's room until 6.30 or seven o'clock, whatever you want. And that way she will learn, I'm here I'm babbling, I'm singing, I'm even crying, but nobody's going to come in here, so I might as well go back to sleep. She'll reestablish that pattern, and once she does, make sure she's in that pattern for a good two to three weeks, and then you can move her sister back into the room. But I really think that nothing's going to break this cycle unless you separate the two. And I think that by moving your 18-month-old, you're going to have much, uh, many more complications because she won't like the change. Your five-year-old daughter will deal with the change of moving rooms much more easily than your 18-month-old. Give it a go. If it takes two or three or four months, um, just keep working at it, and I promise she'll uh, she'll start waking up later. Our next question comes from Ashley. She says, I need advice on sibling bickering. I've read the books, had the timeouts, taken away the privileges, etc. I have an eight-year-old son and a four-year-old daughter. My husband and I have been shocked at how much they argue considering they're of opposite sex and so many years apart. They will hit, punch, kick, and scream at each other from sunup to sundown. It's honestly taken a toll on my mental and physical health. Every morning, I'm awakened by screaming and doors slamming, and that's how I start my day. On the flip side, they are crazy about each other, and I mean in a completely bipolar way. When I discipline them for fighting, they'll hug and console each other. No wonder I'm crazy. I'm at a complete loss. And I know siblings will fight, but it's so bad that our extended family skips out on doing things with us because they don't want to hear the bickering for hours on end. I totally understand their viewpoint, but I want to enjoy life too. Send all the help. Thanks. Well, Ashley, um, first of all, your kids are behaving in a normal way. I mean, it's not abnormal for an eight-year-old and a four-year-old, even of opposite sex, to fight. However, their fighting intensity 
is out of control. So you have two things to do here. First, you need to, over time, teach them how to interact without being so violent. So if your four-year-old comes up to your eight-year-old and she knocks over all of his Legos, you teach your son to express his anger in a different way. And you say, instead of yelling and kicking and punching your sister, I want you to growl. I want you to grit your teeth. I want you to scream. I want you to run out of the room. In other words, you're telling your son that when he's mad at his sister, there are alternative things to do than hitting, punching, kicking, and screaming. That takes a while for him to get the knack of doing, but it does work. Your four-year-old's going to be a little bit trickier because she doesn't have the self-control that your eight-year-old may have. So you make it very simple for her and you say, honey, if you hit or punch or kick your brother, you will go to your room for half an hour with your door shut. And every time you find her doing that, you pick her up, she goes to her room. You see her do it again, she goes to her room. I also would encourage you, in addition to teaching your older son how to deal with his anger and frustration at his sister, that he needs to have consequences when he hits, punches, and kicks as well. And that means that he either goes to his room, he gets uh, his Nintendo taken away, or whatever. Let him know that you completely understand why he gets frustrated with his sister, that she's crossing a lot of boundaries, and she's driving him crazy, and she's taking his toys, but she's doing it because she wants his attention. Because fighting is a way for kids to get attention from the other sibling. And it's probably your four-year-old wanting attention from her older brother rather than him wanting her attention. So you're basically trying to teach your son that if he hits, punches, or kicks, there's going to be a consequence immediately. The other thing that you can do to make this really work is that whenever you're trying to curb a certain behavior in your kids, say they have four bad behaviors that drive you crazy, pick one of those behaviors and get that under control and then move on to the others. For instance, I would say to your son, listen, son, if you hit, punch, or kick, or you're violent physically towards your sister, this is what's going to happen immediately. You take away his favorite toy. Um, you take away his favorite show or his video or whatever it is, and he goes to his room. And then those consequences have to stick. When you take something away, it's taken away for two days, not an hour, not two hours, two days. In other words, the consequence has to hurt. Then once he learns, uh-oh, I just punched her, this is going to happen. He will start curbing that. Then you go to the screaming. They're rude. They're mean. They, they say mean things. Then you get the screaming under control. But you can be more effective very often if you tackle one issue at a time. You do the same thing for your four-year-old. But when you give her a consequence, it has to be immediate. And it's usually for a shorter period of time. So I would say to her, um, today, right now, I'm going to take your favorite doll away, or you have to go to bed at 6.30 tonight, or you can't, you can't watch your favorite show. Whatever it is that your kids really want, 
is the thing you remove. And that will eventually motivate motivate them enough to stop their bad behavior so that they get to keep that thing. You've got to get the intensity of their fighting down. You can't stop their fighting because that's what siblings do. They'll outgrow it eventually. What you can't, so you can't stop the fighting. What you need to crack down on is the intensity of it. And the only way you're going to do that is give consequences, serious consequences, if they're mean or hurt each other. And then you also need to give your eight-year-old something to do with his anger when he wants to hit and pound on his sister. And he will learn that, but she's too young. You can get this under control, Ashley. Do the right thing over and over, and I promise it'll work. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this time together. I need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. This question is from Jennifer. She says, help. My son is six and an only child, and we are struggling with him having any desire to appreciate, be grateful, or even take care of his stuff, toys, clothes, etc. I've tried taking things away. I've tried spanking, talks, timeouts, threats. Nothing works. He simply thinks if he breaks or ruins something that there's more of it coming or that it isn't a big deal. We have had trouble with his obedience too. His response when busted is always, but I forgot. I'm feeling defeated that my only child is already acting so entitled. I'm so close to giving everything he has away and making him earn toys, but no more than a couple. Well, first of all, at six, if he's six, do not give up, Jennifer. You can absolutely turn his behavior and his gratitude around. And it's not going to be as hard as you think. Your son has learned that if he breaks or ruins something, something follows. He's given something back. Kids just don't think that up. So I would ask, there's a pattern that's been established in your home. And and this isn't unusual when you have an only child in the home. You really want him to have things that he enjoys. Every parent does. And you also want that child to be a appreciative and grateful for everything they have. But most six-year-olds just aren't. I mean, that takes a long time to appreciate. So stop giving him things. Don't give him things and take them away. Stop giving him things. Make him earn things. Stop the spanking. Stop the talks. Stop the timeouts and the threats. If they're not working, stop doing them. Have him earn toys. Have him earn whatever it is he's going to get. He can get some things on his birthday, but other than that, he needs to earn. And, you know, maybe he just needs to earn 50 cents to buy something. Whatever it is, if you make him work for those things, he's going to be more grateful for them. The other thing that is can be very important to do is to help him, and he's not too young, to help him at six years of age to start thinking about other kids. So I would do something like this. Honey, do you know of any of the kids in your class that are struggling with something? Do you think there are other kids or even adults in our area who might not have enough food, who might not have enough clothes? Well, if you can't think of anybody, I will help you find another six-year-old in our area 
who may need a coat, who may need some shoes. And why don't you and I go, go, we'll shop together, we'll pick something out, and we'll make sure that child gets them. And by teaching him to serve, you are teaching him to be grateful for what he has because he'll feel good about serving. He'll stop thinking about himself and his stuff as much. And he'll also see that compared to other people, he's got a whole lot of good stuff in his life. So make him earn things. Stop giving him things if he breaks or ruins them and stop giving him things just randomly and stop all the stuff that you're doing. No spanking, talking, time out. It's not working. And start to look around to find ways for him to serve other kids or other people. I really think within a short period of time, you're going to see a huge transition in him. This question comes from dad, Jason. He says, hi, Dr. Meg. We've been parenting our 19 year old who is living with us. What do you advise if he insists on isolating himself in his room, only watching TV, doing his homework at a minimum, playing video games, and being rude or snarky to everyone in the house? We've encouraged getting a job, exercising, praying, etc. We have been leading by example without saying much, and we're trying to be respectful, but he's not interested. He seems depressed and complacent and refuses to be positive or show any grit towards being productive. It's infuriating. Any guidance would be greatly appreciated. Well, Jason, you're not alone. I think a lot of parents are in this situation. In truth, he has a problem and you have a problem. Your son sounds depressed. Now, he's either depressed because he's in his room watching TV and doing nothing or his depression led him into that. My sense is that he's depressed because he's been doing that. He can't get himself out of this, so you need to. You don't suggest that he get a job. He has to get a job. And if he doesn't get a job, he needs to find a place to live because there are rules in your home. He's being rude and snarky because he's miserable and he's mad at you because he's miserable, because he doesn't respect you. He doesn't see you setting any rules in your home. And, and, and trying to be respectful for him is important. However, it's not nearly enough because he's probably not paying attention to the way you're acting. He's only paying attention to himself. So here's what I would do. I would sit down with him and I would make, and I would set out, uh, five rules that are your house rules that he has to live with. And if he doesn't live with those house rules, because it's your home, it's not his home. Um, he, he really is old enough to have a home on his own, even if he's in school. These are the five rules that he has to live by if he's going to have the privilege of staying in your home. This is going to be tough for you. And I'll tell you why. Because you have accommodated him. You have really enabled him to live a horrible life. Okay. Watching television and isolating himself in his room can be addicting. Video games are addicting, highly addictive. I've seen kids that'll play, boys will play 10 hours a day. So your son, if you will, is addicted to a horrible lifestyle. He can't get himself on his own. So here's the rules that I would say. I would say, son, here are the five things that we need you to do in order for you to continue to have the privilege of living in our home. First, you need a job of at least 
30 hours a week. In the summertime, it has to be 40 hours a week. He's a grown-up. You have to talk to him like he's a grown-up. Second, after you have that job, you need to take X percent of your income and pay it to us as rent, okay? It doesn't need to be a lot of money, 20 bucks, 25 bucks a week. He needs to have skin in the game as far as living in your house, okay? He ne- it needs to cost him something to live in your home, literally. So you need to make him pay some type of rent. I guarantee you, once he gets a job, once he starts paying a rent, he will feel so much better and s- about himself and about life. Third, you need to participate in household chores. You need to help us run this home. And then you figure out what those are. You need to clean your room. You need to do all your own laundry. You need to clean bathrooms uh, once a week, whatever it is. He has chores that he needs to stick to because being in your family and living in your home requires that he contribute something because he's that important. Again, feeling like a contributing member of the family will make him have a higher self-esteem and it'll make him feel better about himself. The other thing that you need to do is that you need to speak respectfully to us, okay? And if you speak disrespectfully to us, you're snarky all the time, that qualifies you for living in your own apartment, okay? And it disqualifies you from living in our home. We respect you. We show you respect, respect. We don't talk to you a certain way. And as an adult, you have every ability to treat us the same way. So we expect you to do that for us. And if you do that, then you can continue to live here. And finally, I would do the same with um, schoolwork. If he is flunking his classes, he's not doing his schoolwork, he's not performing well, that disqualifies him for staying at home as well. Because at 19 years of age, he is a man, he has every ability to live on his own in his own apartment. And even though he's depressed, this sounds like a cruel thing to do, but I promise you, it will pull him out of this horrible funk. It's worse than a funk, this routine that he's gotten himself into. I really believe, Jason, that your son is addicted to either video games, um, being rude, or to this horrible lifestyle. Once you do this and you see he's willing to cooperate with you a little bit, I want you to watch to see if you really feel he's depressed. If you really feel he's depressed, then you need to address that with him. You need to say, son, you've developed some really bad habits and the bad habits are leading you to be depressed. But once you start to reestablish healthy habits and you see he has healthy habits, but he's still depressed wants to isolate himself, then you need to say, we need to get you some help because depression is a very serious life-threatening illness. But I wouldn't say that at first because he may try to use that as an excuse to keep doing what he's doing. I promise you, Jason, that you can help your son. You can um, you can really establish these rules. You're going to have to be tough. 
You're not mean, but you're going to start treating him like a very capable man. So you can't change him, but you can change you. And you will find that as you change, he'll change as well. Parents, you know I love answering your questions, so please keep sending them in to me. You can email me any question to askmeg at megmeekermd.com. Again, that's askmeg at megmeekermd.com. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast as much as I have. Again, please email me any question you might have. And always remember that great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. Thanks for listening. And because of your dedication to raising great kids, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over 3 million downloads. Head on over to Facebook and Twitter and follow at Meg Meeker MD and check out what's new at MegMeeker.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter to stay updated and get information about giveaways. Don't forget to share the podcast with other parents. Subscribe so you won't miss anything and leave us a review so we know how we're doing.